podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, Nat here. Favour to ask. We are up for an award. Yep. <laughs> it took me a while to uh, work out quite how the hell that happened. But we are. The Sports Podcast Awards, no less. We are nominated in unsurprisingly, the NFL category for best NFL pod. How about that? How about that? So help us out, please, if you can. If you got, I reckon it takes about 45 seconds. That's my guess. To head on over to sportspodcastawards.com. You got to register, register your email and vote for us as your favorite NFL show. It's going to help us because quite frankly, we like a bit of chest puffing. But also, if we win that award, we think we've got a better shot of getting Drew Locke, Joe Judge, maybe even Urban Meyer on the show next season. And that is on wish list for next season, as you all well know. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com, sportspodcastawards.com and vote for the show. Appreciate it. Shane Vereen in the house. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, my friend? How do you feel? Very good, man. Very good, man. Very good. <laughs> How do you feel at this stage of um, this stage of the year, right? When you're kind of, where are we now? A, a week and change away from the Super Bowl. It must bring back some yeah. memories. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when I was playing, this was the week. Uh, this was probably like really more or less the last day to get all of your um, travel plans for your families, get your tickets so- sorted, get your family hotel situation sorted, um, all the logistical things that come along with with the Super Bowl. Uh, we would always have the first four days of that next week after the AFC championship game to, uh, to kind of get everything sorted that way that's done and over with. And from here on out, it's just, your only focus is the football game. You say that, right. But I've been lucky enough to cover a fair few Super Bowls and have been out the week of, which gets progressively more and more chaotic year on year. Although I guess last year and this year, because of COVID, it has been impacted, will be impacted a fair yeah. bit just in terms of the razzmatazz and the scale. But generally, you know, it that is very much a staple of it, right? And you get pulled yeah. media ops left, right, and center, <laughs> craziness yeah. everywhere. Did you like yeah. that? Did you find that enjoyable? Did you find you know- that? <clears throat> it, it was enjoyable because it, it, it comes with the territory. You know, um, it's better it's better to be in that situation because you're playing than to be at home. Right. By, you know, where I'm at now, drink a tequila on Sundays. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's right. much better. It's much better to be to be in that situation. And, and there, it's it's exciting. It is a lot to deal with. I will say that mm. um, because, you know, every week each player gets around four tickets depending on the organization. Um, but when it's Super Bowl, you get 12 to 13 tickets, however many you want to buy. And obviously your family and friends want to come. So now you got to figure out, okay, how are we getting grandma there? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a team charter. Is, are you guys flying out to wherever to take team charter? Are you guys driving? Are you going to take yourself? You know, so yeah. there's just a lot, there's just a lot of, of, moving pieces and it's, and it's such a special moment that I think the coaches understand that mm. you have to give the players time to figure all this stuff out. Cause it's not just a moment for the players, but it's a moment for the families and you never know when right. you're going to be back. When you're going to be back. Right. Yeah. Did you get ridiculously tenuous requests for tickets from guys you hadn't heard of? 
heard from rather in years that suddenly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i know, I know. The, the funny thing is people uh well i have a i have a pretty big family so i never really had too many extra tickets but people are looking to buy tickets from you and mm. uh you know guys can guy i mean it's perfectly okay to sell your tickets and all that type of stuff but sure. um it's funny when friends are like hey can i can i buy tickets from you um but i want them at face value I'm like, well, I can either give them to you at face value or they're at a premium right yeah, now. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, but depending on the friend, I, I'm kind of obliged every now and then. I um, got to say, obviously very excited about the game, but I'm, I'm more excited about this halftime show than I think I have been in, in many years. And <laughs> with respect to Maroon 5, not really my, my yeah, kind yeah. of thing, but this, I mean, this, and there's a lot of, rumor flying around as to how this production is going to go, how the halftime production is going to go. I think because of the Prince uh, nod that uh, Timberlake did a few years back in Minneapolis, this idea of a hologram, you know, maybe isn't the direction they're going to go, but there are rumors that there's going to be a two pack hologram. Have you heard that? And they're doing California Uh love with it with two pack up there. Where are you on, on this halftime show and in where you think it might rank in terms of the all time greats? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very hesitant because whenever I get my hopes up for something, it could be anything, you know, right. when you get your hopes up expecting to see something so amazing, then typically you're you're underwhelmed. Um, but this lineup, I I you know, I I'm I was talking to my brother the other day about people we think that they might bring out. Uh, yeah. for a song or two because they could go anywhere with this. The talent that they're gonna have, I mean, just Dr. Dre alone, all the artists that he's worked with. That he could pull from any gen any generation. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I would love to see uh, if they got creative with the hologram. I'm open for absolutely anything, but because I know the music is going to be just what we need. Yeah, what a lineup! If if I uh, if I I'm Warren G. I'm talking to my agent right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm impressed that you know who Warren G uh, is. And, uh, Warren. I am, I'm impressed, man. Jeez. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting the the, Lon- the London guys to know the Warren G connection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if he's not out, if he's not who's wheeled out. There's going to be, <laughs> they're going to. That agent is gone. I think. After, yeah. Oh yeah. That. Oh yeah. Oh well, that's all to look forward to, and we'll get your take on the game in a bit. And particularly, we're going to talk running backs with you, obviously, and uh, on the respective sides as well as which way uh, you think it might go and the other key battles that you're, you're particularly looking at. But I want to get into some news and lead off with some news today. Okay. We've got to obviously talk Brady with you right now. The Brady uh, news has been done to death everywhere. And uh, there's a you know, huge amount that has been written, has been said, but I think it's always fascinating to talk to somebody who has worked with him, who has played with him, who has been there and done it. And I know you and I have done a fair few shows over the years. So we, we talked about it in the past, inevitably, but let's kind of refresh that and put it in the context uh, of what we know now and uh, that, that it has finally, this incredible journey has, has finally come to an end. Let's start with yeah. that. How surprised are you that given the season that he's had where he was, you know, within touching distance of MVP and some people suggest maybe should have been or should, yeah, it looks like Rogers are going to land it, right? It's not official yet, but, but, you know, Brady and Rogers were clearly ahead of the chasing pack. Yeah. He's decided to walk away from the game now when he's still playing at his highest level. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I am a little sad um, mm. selfishly uh, because, you know, we're, I don't know the next time we're going to see another, 
any, but not at, we'll never see another Tom Brady, but somebody play to that caliber, to that level for 22 seasons. I don't know the next time, you know, I think there's a couple guys now that, that have the ability. Um, it's just, do they have the longevity? Who's that? And Who's on your list? I, I, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Justin mm-hmm. Herbert, mm-hmm. Um, Joe Burrow, yeah. um, you know, that, the young and up and coming two, three, four years in that class. you know, I'm really excited to see what they can do with the ball. Mitch Trubisky. Um, Mitch, <laughs> that one. can't say that. <laughs> can't, can't, can't say that one. Probably not. Um, because, you know, you know, there, there's, there's so many people that, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I was his teammate for four seasons, but that that hated on him because of all the winning and they were bored with it. I sat back and I'm like, I'm witnessing greatness. I'm witnessing something that we will never see. I mean, damn near this whole season, every pass he threw was a new record. Right. Every completion was a new record. Every touchdown was a new record. You know, and when you can sit back and just enjoy it and just really take in the greatness of, of what he was able to accomplish in his 22 year career, you know, selfishly, I'm sad to see him go, but I am happy that he's leaving while he's playing great football. Um, unfortunately, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't afforded that same luxury um, for, I mean, nobody can play football for that long. It's just a mi- remarkable that those guys were able to s- sustain that type of career. But Ben Roethlisberger is not going out on a high note, unfortunately, Um, for Tom Brady to go out down 27 to three in a divisional game and then bring the team back, tie the foot. That's very Brady esque. Right. And I know they didn't win the game, but he has won plenty. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm happy to see him. Do you think that had some bearing on on it? Uh, And, you know, we'll never fully know. Right. Uh, And maybe he'll never fully know. But do you think that the way that he went out and ultimately it was a loss, but as you say, this incredible individual performance and another incredible comeback that maybe, you know, if it, if we'd flipped it and it had been a terrible playoffs and they were one and done and he'd stunk the joint out, maybe that he right. would have thought, oh, I'm not going out like that. You know, that was in, integral to his decision. Yeah. I, I think it probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, but, you know, hearing his, hearing him speak about it um, on his podcast and reading his, reading his, his, goodbye post on Instagram. Um, I, I think he would have decided to leave the game when uh, regardless after this season, I yeah. think he, his mind now is, is more towards his family, more towards other ventures outside of football. And I think he's excited to see what the next chapter brings. Um, you know, I know right around July, he's going to get that itch because right. every person that retires, you get that itch right around this, right around summertime, right before camp is supposed to start. Um, but I think this is the right decision. I, I love the way that he's going out. If there is, it's a really interesting point you make, right? And it, I know it's mischievous to, to suggest, but you, it's a really fascinating point that y- you feel it's the right time to this degree. So you push the button and you do it and you might end up not even as far away as July, but you might be getting there, you know, April thinking, oh, what I done? And then we get to June, July. And I don't know, let's say, uh, let's think, uh, I don't know. Let's say the Packers who've moved on from Aaron Rodgers because he's gone to play ball somewhere else, but they're still a contending (laughs) team. Jordan Love goes down in uh, in training camp and suddenly there's an opportunity, you know, whichever contending team. If Brady's got a shot at going back in with a, with a serious crew, he's, he's going to think about it, isn't he? I mean, he's going to think about it. I mean, I think any, you know, I think anybody would think about it if they're, if they're gifted, you know, the perfect opportunity. Um, I don't know. I, I, it would kind of spoil a little bit of the retirement stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I, I think the retirement was kind of spoiled already by the way the media announced it days before he was ready to announce. Um, that's yeah. a very interesting question. And I don't have it. I don't, I don't know. Cause I still ask myself that question every single day when I, when, we're, when I'm thinking about this situation is like, he easily could come back. Yeah. That's I know the he, thing. He's, that's the yeah, key he thing. easily could do it. Cause you made that point, right? It's not as if, you know, Manning incredible all time great that he was, you know, he was done by the end of his career. Right. You know, yeah. Roethlisberger, as you say, was done rivers, basically the same yeah. thing, right? These are great players, but they, they had, run their course but he still has his a game right so if you say to yeah. him in july the 5th come on can you one more one more dance with a serious team like i think yeah. i think he could do it we know he can do it and whether he chooses to right. do it, it really interesting it's a bit like those bands who say um it's our farewell tour you know and then, then two, yeah. years, two years later they're doing another farewell tour and Brady right. might have a few. i liked um Belichick's quote and it was really uh really really uh and unsurprisingly thoughtful and uh, emphasizing just what a remarkable talent he is. In fact, in the quote, Belichick calls him the best player in NFL history. And if Bill Belichick, the the greatest coach in NFL history is saying that, then uh, yeah. that is high praise indeed. However, I also love this, the opening of the statement, or at least the statement that has been uh, doing the rounds on social media, which I assume is the, is the, is the opening gambit. I'm privileged to have drafted and coached Tom Brady the ultimate competitor. And I love the fact Belichick gets in straight off the bat. I drafted him. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I coached him, I coached him as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So Brady is, um, Brady is done. Other big story, of course, of the last seven days is, is the situation with Brian Flores, which yeah. um, I think are an entirely different situation, of course, but probably, has garnered a, a similar level of shock and surprise. So when the Brady news broke, and obviously, as you suggested, it got leaked and released on social and everything went nuts. I was driving up to uh, to do a basketball game on the Saturday night. The game was on the Sunday and driving up on the Saturday night and got to my hotel and checked in, got into my room. I could, my phone was going crazy. And this is when it all kind of, you know, it was like, my God, what's happening? And, and it was a genuine watching the, I think as Ollie, our producer said, that hour of Twitter was just, you know, oh, sensation yeah. watching it play out and it, for altogether different reasons. And uh, obviously, but nevertheless, equally shocking was the Brian Flores situation that mm-hmm. Dayball gets announced as the Giants head coach. And we talked about that appointment on uh, the show with, with Iron Mike earlier in the week and discussed, well, okay, there are still a number of decent gigs out there. Flores is going to land one of them, right? He's one of the strongest, if not the strongest candidate there. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, this happens, the lawsuit against the NFL and some pretty unequivocal statements coming from the Flores camp about what has gone down. Just to pull a few quotes here. This is a quote, direct quote from the lawsuit. In certain critical ways, the NFL is racially segregated and is managed much like a plantation. It's 32 owners, none of whom are black, profit substantially from the labor of NFL players, 70% of whom are black. This offer from Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, $100,000 for every defeat late in the season, which obviously would enhance the draft position. Uh, There is reference to 
a meeting, an unnamed quarterback. We can probably join the dots, a prominent quarterback <laughs> that the team set up between right. Flores, and, and which, of course, would be violating the league rules and would be tampering. And, and Flores felt deeply uncomfortable about that and suggests after that that he was out in the cold. Um, mm-hmm. Talk of this was another real shocker for me as well, or, or a shocking situation if he had to endure this, that he suggests that when he went for the Denver interview a couple of years back, it, they weren't taking it seriously. He uh, he suggests that Elway and some of the other Broncos front office turned up and clearly hung over and had had a big night yeah. and just weren't taking the interview seriously. So all kinds of all kinds of things al- uh, alleged in this. Yeah. So Shane, first things first. How do you view Flores taking on the NFL like this in? So far as it is surely an act of incredible bravery because yeah. he's jeopardizing his entire professional future, isn't he? Correct. Yeah. Um, my first thought is, is courageous. Um, there's been a lot of coaches uh, before him that, ha- that haven't um, taken this, this type of stance. This has been an issue for a very long time. I know it's it, it's brought to light now, um, but even when I was playing, um, that this was something that was talked about uh, in the locker room. This is something that is is needs to be fixed and it needs to be addressed. And I think maybe going about it with a class action lawsuit will really get the attention that it deserves Mm. Um, not only from the owners, but from a national perspective, a world perspective. Um, Look, since the Rooney rule was, was put in place in 2003, Mm -hmm. 129 head coaches have been hired. 15 of those head coaches were black Mm. 15 out of 129. Um, and, And you can't sit here and tell me that, there aren't qualified black head coaches that don't deserve at least an opportunity. That's that that's at the end of the day, that's what we're asked. That's what black players, black coaches, that's what they're asking for. Just give us the opportunity. Mm. We can't even, you know, there's so many more hurdles um, to, to rise in the coaching ranks these days, especially for, for players, um, not players, but especially for coaches of color, um, it takes longer. They have to put more work in. And then at the end of the day, you're not even taken seriously as, as a candidate. Mm. That is a direct shot to respect, to your self-respect. Um, I'm not saying that teams aren't hiring um, who they f- truly feel is the most qualified person for the job. I'm saying that the black coaches that interview for these jobs are not being taken seriously. Right. That's a really, really important distinction uh, and, yeah. and, and really eloquently put because there is a difference that even I was looking at the quote from the giants because the, 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 the aforementioned Broncos have uh, refuted the allegations blatantly false yeah. was there uh, the way they described them in the statement and the giants as well, um, who of course are right in the thick of this, because uh, I'm sure, you know, many of our listeners know how it played out, but in case you haven't seen the full story or, or missed a bit of the detail, one of the reasons that Flores is so aggrieved is because Bill Belichick uh, texted him thinking he was texting Brian Dayball and congratulated him on winning 
the job before Flores had interviewed, right? So Flores, right. fairly logically, you think on uh, uh, face value, doesn't consider it to be a, a, a fair selection process if the decision has already been made before he is one of the candidates has even done his interview. And, and again, right. just for context and, and for reference, the interview is a s- significant, significant part of any job hire, but in NFL coaching recruitment, it is fundamental for obvious reasons, right? So if you haven't had yeah. that interview, it's it's not as if it was a formality uh, for, for coaches. Oh yeah, the interview will be fine. You know, we're going to go with this guy based on his pedigree and track record. It's you're setting out the vision for that organization. You've got to make sure the cultures, the culture aligns and everything else. So that is, it's ridiculous that that was the situation, but the Giants said, and this was interesting, eh, we're pleased and confident with the process that resulted in the hiring of Brian Dayball blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach. Now, as soon as I read that, I thought, with respect to Brian Dable, Brian Flores has been a head coach in the NFL. So we're talking about qualifications. That's just an absurd thing to say. Now, you might give the Giants the benefit of the doubt. And to your point, say, well, we feel he is the most suitable individual to take our organization in the direction that we want to go, which is which is a reasonable point, but it's Correct. only sustainable as a point if you are following the process through. So to your point, which I think is is fundamental to this, mm-hmm. if you're not treating the candidates seriously for whatever reason, but certainly if it's because there is a sense that you have to tick a box because of the Rooney rule and you are mm-hmm. undermining the value of the Rooney rule, you're being... Correct. Um, destructive in so many ways by approaching the process in that way, then right. there is there is no excuse for that behavior, no vindication for that behavior. Well, where they messed up, <clears throat> and I have a lot of love for that organization as I played right. there for three seasons, um, you know, but the New York Giants are the only franchise in NFL history to never have hired a black coach. Right. Um, to say that they hired the most qualified person is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Dayball or Brian Dayball is, is a good coach. He was a tight ends coach with me when I was in New England. Um, he has he has the mind to be a coach. He's a great offensive coordinator, which he was in Buffalo, but he's never been a head coach. Mm. So to say that he's qualified, then somebody who has back to back winning seasons down in Miami, say what you want about that team. That was not that's not a above 500 roster. And Flores was able to bring that team down. I mean, they lost, they were one and seven, won eight in a row or yeah, went eight and one to end out the year. You can't tell me that that doesn't speak volumes of who he is, not just as a, as a man, but as a coach to turn that, that turn that around in that division, beat the Patriots twice. You can't, you can't sit here and tell me that he's not qualified or the most qualified head coaching candidate out there right now. Mm-hmm. You, you like that's, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there. I know what it takes. Um, and you know, it's, it's just unfortunate because the, the giants since uh, they fired Tom Coughlin in 2015, after the 2015 season, this is now their fourth head coach since that time. Mm-hmm. And every single head coach, has never been a head coach before and it has yet to work out. And my, my thing is that's, that's the definition of insanity. (laughs) The definition of insanity is doing something over and over again, knowing that it won't work. And that's what they're doing. 
And you can't tell me that you can't give a guy who's had experience, who's been a head coach for three seasons down in Miami, dealt with all types of turmoil, um, dealt with everything and in a tough division. And you can't sit here and tell me that you're going to hire somebody before you even give this man a shot. Mm. I don't I will not believe that that that's factual. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And so where what happens next? I mean, obviously that there is a lawsuit. So the NFL are strongly refuting the allegations and yeah. uh, they refer to them, uh, uh, I believe, as baseless uh, or, or worse to that effect. Yeah, the meritless. Meritless. That's right. That's what they used. Yeah, Meritless, which is, an, again, a very interesting, yeah. uh, interesting turn of phrase to use. Um Let's say that the lawsuit is successful, right? And uh, Flores is successful in his claim. Yeah. Does that make it more or less likely that he coaches again in the NFL? That's a very good question. I, I personally, I don't think it matters win or lose, win or loss, um, as far as for his coaching future. Um, and, and, you know, it was that that's part of the courage and the bravery is that he's putting, you know, his career on the line doing it. I, yeah, I do believe that there is an owner out there that respects his stance. Mm-hmm. I want to believe that there's an owner out there that respects what he's trying to accomplish, that, there, that there's an owner out there that's not taking it personal and that there's an owner out there that will change that will work to change the hearts and minds of the 32 owners and to push this, push this progression forward. Um, I guess time will tell we'll, we'll see what happens when it comes to the courts. I know that there's still what three or four head coaching vacancies and any one of those head coach, one, any one of those organizations would be more than happy um, to have, or should be more than happy to have a coach like Brian Flores, but I'm really curious if this is going to turn into a Kaepernick situation where mm. a certain where coach is blackballed for standing up and doing what's right, but you're, you're going up against the big machine of the NFL. I, I would say, so to answer your question, I, I would say that there's more to be seen. Um, there's more to be seen and it, it would be wrong of me to have a definitive answer at this point. Yeah, fair enough. And, and I, 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 completely understand that because I think it is, it's impossible to second guess whether all this talk, which we've seen a lot of from the, the league as a collective, from individual team owners and the two are, are to some degree interchangeable, right? Because the, the yeah. team owners and the teams make up the, the collective to a large degree or certainly have a, a significant influence in, in the running of the league. We've seen a lot of this rhetoric and a lot of this positive uh, affirmation of their position. We've heard it from Commissioner Goodell himself with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and Correct. a reaction to social activism. The, the NFL isn't just going to use empty words without substance and action. We're going to m- create change and enable change and support change. So it'll be really interesting to see. And, and this is on the basis that the, as I say, that, that everything is proved to be or or at least you know elements of it at the very least are proved um flores has proved to be vindicated in his position what the nfl and individual owners do next and i and i hope as well that if that is the case and it seems based on what we can tell and read right now it seems that he has a very strong incredible case he does he does yeah if even if 31 owners are all 
uniform and in lockstep and uh, and close the door if what it takes is one own to, to to buck that trend and i and i hope that that does play out that way if uh, mm-hmm. uh if is if that is what is required because this is 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 hugely important one other final one on this and then i want to get your take on on the big game where does this leave the rooney rule and do you think that irrespective of whether this case is upheld or not do you think that there needs to be and indeed there will be change to how uh, the Rooney rule is applied. So in other words, let's just say Flores isn't successful, but there is a huge amount of media attention and everybody has been talking about it and has at the very least, this is now on the table. And unless you're completely ignorant, you can't deny if you look at the giant situation that whether Dable was always their guy, that isn't fair or reasonable to have made a decision before you've interviewed every candidate. Right. Do you think it will facilitate some kind of positive change where at the very least owners aren't going to take um, liberties with the situation and um, right. be as disrespectful to the construct of the Rooney rule going forward? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I do believe so. Um, I also believe that there needs to be some amendments and some changes to the Rooney rule mm-hmm. um, just until, just until we can physically see that, that this rule is being put in place, um, you know, and, and, and then, but then you get, but then in my mind, I get, I get stuck in, well, do you want people just to get hot? Do you want black coaches just to get hired just for, just for the sake of accomplishing and checking a box in a Rooney rule? No, I want them to be hired because they, they truly deserve the opportunity to become a head coach. Right. Um, which there are a lot of black head coaches and minority head coaches that deserve that opportunity a lot. And um, so, you know, I do think that the Rooney rule was, was a great starting point in 2003, but 20 years later, 19, 20 years later, we're seeing that it's not as effective as, as we thought it would be. And it needs to be changed mm-hmm. and there needs to be maybe some additions to the Rooney rule to push this forward. You know, you look at uh, some of the head coaching decisions, over the last couple of years and that a coordinator like Eric B enemy does not have a head coaching job is right. <laughs> that's, that it's is asinine. case closed. It's just craziness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is crazy. yeah. It doesn't make any sense, man. No it, sense. It's, and it's so like, and I'm getting a little upset, but it's so blatant. It's, mm. it's so blatant. I have multiple friends of mine, uh, my age or older or even younger that are black and coaching in the league. And, you know, after every season, he's my best friend and we talk about, are you going to stay? Are you going to go? And then we talk about the new hires because a lot of times the assistant coaches are are hired when there's a head coach that they worked for that was just hired, yada, yada, yada. And we just sit back and we just like, this is, it's a joke. Mm. It's a, it's an absolute joke. Mm. Um, And I'm happy that it's finally being brought to light. I'm just, I wish it didn't have to take a class action lawsuit for it to be brought to light. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, very well said. Let's talk the game. Let's talk running backs with you, Shane Vereen, because it's uh, something you know a little bit about. I think it's fair to say running backs <laughs> in a Super Bowl. We'll tick that box. Uh, in terms of the, let's talk first, I think, about the Rams and how they had a difficult time of it because of the Acres injury for a lot of the season and obviously Correct. Sony Michelle coming in at the 11th hour preseason. Do you think they're starting to find their identity now, both uh, the team in terms of the offense, in terms of how they're using them 
both. And mm-hmm. the individual players, as a result of that, that they are starting to hit their stride. I know Akers has obviously had fundamental issues in, in, in the playoffs with ball control, but yeah. putting those missteps aside, how he's playing generally, how are you viewing the ground attack of the Rams? I, I really like it. Um, I think Sonny Michelle and Akers are completely different backs, which works. Um, but the best thing about both of those guys is um, they're calling the same run plays, regardless of who's in the game. Mm. So it's, you know, you, you know, when I was, a, when I was playing, I was a pass catching back. I, I ran routes more than I carried the football caught passes more than I carried the football. So you kind of knew what to expect when I was in the game versus when Steven Ridley was in the game with these two guys, um, they're, they're calling the same plays. It's the same offense. Um, it's just whoever's in is in whoever's got the hot hand. That's the guy that's running the ball and that's dangerous. Um, and that's tough for a, for a defense to stop. And, you know, they ran the ball 29 times against the Niners. And so it, they didn't really get, I mean, they didn't eclipse a hundred. I think they ended with about 70 yards, but the fact that they stuck to it 20 for 29 carries that shows that they are making a concerted effort um, to be physical up front mm. and to control the football. And it, the yardage sometimes doesn't reflect um, the impact of, of right. running the of, running the ball and the way that the that the run game for the for the Rams was Im- impacted the game in the fourth quarter a couple big runs from Akers and Sony Michelle that's all that needs that that's what that's what you want mm. when it's winning time you want to know that I can hand the ball off and go get us some yards and control the clock and be physical um especially in the fourth quarter close things down well Joe yeah. Mix is a physical running back how important is it for the Bengals that they get the ground game going obviously for the productivity that will generate, but, but yeah. almost as importantly, the way it will negate some of that pass rush and just put yeah. the, the Rams back on their heels a little bit. Well, that's exactly right. Um, it's, it's slowing down the pass rush. It's tiring out Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Floyd. It's getting, keeping them off balance, making that defense respect the run um, and not just put six in a box and, and cover. Um, when you can do that, when you can force the defense to respect you as a uh, respect your run game, um, that helps tremendously. Like I said, in the trenches, winning the line of scrimmage is going to be ginormous in this game. And I know the Bengals are not a win the line of scrimmage type of team, um, but this is different. This is a Super Bowl. That this this is different, um, and that and that's going to matter. Um, what I think Joe Mixon is really good at, though, his zone run game. I mean, I know the offensive line for the Bengals isn't really good, but how do you offset that when you're playing up against the caliber of defense like the Rams is use zone run schemes? Mm-hmm. And when with the zone run scheme, the running back has the autonomy to pick any hole he wants, set up the defense, set up the linebackers any way he wants, and put his offensive linemen in positions to make blocks. And that's where the, that's where the Bengals run game um, can get scary. Yeah, that's a great point. They're really committed to that, aren't they? And yeah. uh, and particularly on uh, on first down, they're leading with that quite a lot and yeah. driving with that. I think you're absolutely right. That that could be critical. On the oh yeah, and I was going to say the uh, and another big thing is you you got to limit the snaps for Matt Stafford and the and the Rams offense. Mm. If I'm the Bengals, I know my defense isn't a top tier defense, but that's okay. Right. If we can do something offensively as the Bengals, if we can control the ball and control the clock and limit the possessions that the Rams have, 
we're going to kind of like they did in Kansas city. We're going to have a shot at the end of the game. And if I'm the Bengals, that's all I want. I get me to the fourth quarter and have this game be within one score. And that's where they shine. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and as you say, very similar MO to when you're playing a team like the Chiefs. So, so can they? Do you think they can keep it tight and take it, take it to the wire, take it to the fourth quarter? I do. I, I, I do. Um, coming into this playoffs, I didn't think that, that they had the experience to do it. But clearly, experience isn't all that matters. When, when you're talking about Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, and, and these young guys that, that just play with such confidence. Um, I, I've, you know, for Joe Burrow to be staring down three scores in Arrowhead in the first half and to not flinch, not blink and just right. come back and win that game. That tells you a lot about who he is as a person that tells you a lot about his mental fortitude, but it also speaks volumes of this coaching staff and the way that this team bands together um, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. You know, I wonder if Zach Taylor's maybe the, the unsung hero of this entire run, which sounds crazy when he's the, the, the boss and, and the coach that's the architect of it, but he was coming into the season quite, if not vilified, then maligned, right? He was in, right. people saying, well, I'm not sure if he doesn't, if they're not a playoff side this season, and this could be it for Taylor at the Bengals. Right. And now here they are. Mm-hmm. To get how many teams can be in that situation where you're up behind the eight ball at Arrowhead in the AFC right. Championship game the whole <laughs> yeah. time. You turn around. I mean, yeah, yeah. How, how, like that defense, like I said, it's not a very highly touted defense or top ranked defense. Hold Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense to three points in the second half. Yeah. And the only and those three points came on the final drive of the fourth quarter. Right. To push right. the game into OT. Like that was <laughs> that's that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's impressive, man. It really is. Uh, are you you leading one way or the other? Are you close to a beat? Um, I have to pick because it's still early doors yeah, recording. I, yeah, it's still early. I'm leaning more, I'm leaning more towards um Matt Stafford and the Rams. Mm. Um but We'll see. We won't uh, hold I'm, you I'm, to it. We won't call it an official yeah, Marine pick. Yeah. It's, this is not official. This yes, is not official. <laughs> but I, I am leaning more towards the Rams. Um, just, I, I, just think, I just think that eventually their talent is going to show itself um, in the second half and be too much for the Bengals to come back from. So we are saying goodbye for now, but it's uh, goodbye and not farewell, Shane Vereen, because we are back in the off-season <laughs> rolling through and you're going to be a key part of our coverage uh, as we do that. So I wanted to say on behalf of all of our listeners, appreciate all your insight this season. It's good to see you, man. Look after yourself and come and check it soon. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a pleasure anytime we get to talk talk football with you guys. So uh, thank you for, for a great season and looking forward to the future. Take care, man. Look after yourself. All right, you too. Podcast Network.